This is the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. I'm Eric G., the co-host of the Pat Jones Show on 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. And as always, we are bringing this show to you from the studios of 97.1, the sports animal, uh, which is obviously in Tulsa. And coming up on today's show, we'll talk about moving the OU Texas game to a home-and-home series and why that might be more exciting than you originally thought it was. Also, OSU, the Big 12, look to be on more solid ground after some news coming out today about the future of the Pac-12. We'll jump into that. And we'll talk about what you can expect as a fan from future schedules for both OU and OSU when it pertains to their brand new conference. So let's jump into this whole idea of OU and Texas becoming a home-and-home game. And you're like, hey, man, did you just pull this out of your butt? I haven't seen this anywhere. No one has said anything about OU and Texas being played in Norman and Austin. Well, here's how all this came about on our show last week. Kirby Smart, during Southeastern Conference Media Days, mentioned he would like to see Florida and Georgia go home-and-home. Right now, Florida and Georgia, the world's largest cocktail party, I know they're not calling it that, but that's what it is, is played in Jacksonville. You know, much like the the OU Texas game, it's a neutral site, even though a lot of Georgia fans don't feel that way because the game's in Florida, and obviously if you're an Oklahoma fan, you can definitely identify with that. A lot of times that, that OU Texas game does not feel like a neutral site, because you're still in the state of Texas. And a lot of people around the fair, whether they're real Texas fans or not, tend to cater to the Texas fans because they feel like that's where most of their business is going to come. And Smart made the comment, he's like, hey, I'd like to see it go home and home. And one of the main reasons I want to see it go home and home is because of recruiting. That could be a huge recruiting weekend for us. It could be a huge recruiting weekend for Florida. And you have to remember... We don't just recruit against Florida. We recruit against Alabama. We recruit against Tennessee and Auburn and all the other SEC schools. So if I can get a high school sophomore or a high school junior to come into Athens on Florida week, that could be just tremendous for us. And it'd be a great selling point. The crowd would be amped up because they hate Florida And when you're between the hedges, there's just something that feels a lot better than when you're playing it at a neutral site that's split 50-50. And he said the same thing about going to the swamp. You know, when Georgia goes into the swamp, that'd be a great selling point for everybody in, you know, everybody on the Florida staff. Hey, Georgia's in town. You got to come see what these fans are like. And of course, Tim Tebow and Chris Doring who played in that game, nah, you can't break with tradition. Well, we bring it up on our show. What do you do? What if you do OU Texas that way? And I'll admit, when I first thought about this, I hated the idea. You know, as as someone being lucky enough to have walked down the ramp several times throughout my life, you know, whether as a roughneck or a member of the media or, God, I think the first time I actually walked down the ramp I was like 10 years old. My father took me to the OU Texas game, and we were lucky enough to get sideline passes that day, <laughs> which I don't even know if those are a thing anymore. I mean, you always hear about that on television shows, but we actually got to go stand on the sidelines 
Uh, my dad knew Merv Johnson. You know, their name drop, picked that up, dusted off. But we got to walk down the ramp. And honestly, if there's any sports, if there's any sports experience you should put on your bucket list, if you can ever pull it off, it's walk down the ramp of the Cotton Bowl during OU Texas weekend, especially if you're wearing burnt orange because there's nothing like the hate that emanates from OU fans that day. And if you're wearing burnt orange, you should be you should get pumped up to an all-time high because of everything being said to you, your ancestry, your ancestry being questioned, uh, whether or not you can actually play, all, all sorts of stuff, all right? All sorts of stuff that I normally would say, uh, but because it's 2022, I probably won't. That's an experience in and of itself. That is tradition. And I thought about the state fair, and I thought about the shotguns versus Old Smokey, and there's just, you know, again, the 50-50 crowd and being able to talk trash, so easily with Texas fans going into the state fair. It's like, God, that is just, that is a once, that, that is such a unique experience that if you take that away from college football, you're killing tradition. Well, I mean, when we're honest, tradition's already being killed. Slowly, but it is. With conference expansion, we've already lost the OU Nebraska game. We're seeing USC lose some of its pack, you know, 10 rivals. Oh, Bedlam's dead. Mike Gundy's already said Bedlam's dead. So what do we do here? What do we do with with OU Texas? And when you think about it, and you probably disagree with me on this because if you've been down to Dallas, that's where you're just, you're so used to doing that. And it's a weekend where you get Friday off from school or Friday off from work and you just plan it out. You're going to drive down I-35. You're going to stop along the way to hang out with the sports animal uh, down there. Where, where do they hang out? Is it Marietta? Is it Ardmore? I don't know. They're they're one of our affiliates. I should probably know that. But you're going to hang out there, and then you're going to go to Dallas, and you're going to hit in and out And then if you got a girlfriend who has expensive taste, she's probably still going to hit the Galleria or Neiman Marcus. And even though Commerce Street doesn't exist, there is a world of stuff to do that you just do on on Friday night, which mostly has to do with drinking. And then you get up at 11, at, well, actually it's before 11. You get up about 7.30 in the morning with a massive hangover and you go to the game. That's, that's pretty much it. And once the game is over, if you're an OU fan, you stay in Dallas. If you're a Texas fan and you win, you stay in Dallas. If you lose, you head back to Austin. Okay, and, and you spend way too much money at the state fair as it is buying those coupons and then paying for overpriced beer and, and deep-fried food. We've we've established all that, but think about this for a second, all right? Go back to what Kirby Smart said. And one of the really cool things about OU Texas becoming a home-and-home, and, home, and it would have to be played at night. I mean, if you really want to make this thing special, because, yes, I will agree with you, we are killing tradition. If you really want to make it special, you play it at night. And the thought of Texas coming out to an amped-up crowd at night in Norman has got to give you chills. No, it's not a weekend of you and your boys hanging out in a hotel, getting hammered, 
Waking up the next morning, see if you can go buy a few Dallas Cowboys tickets from scalpers. So I guess you don't do that anymore. You just do that all online. It's not that. And no, you won't have as many Texas fans coming up to Norman because it'll just be their allotment of tickets, just like any other, just like any other road team coming in. But that, I mean, we talk about the the, the jump around game when Texas Tech came, came into Norman a few years back. This would be that times about a hundred. It's good. The the OU crowd will be an absolute fever pitch. It doesn't matter if they're good or bad. Texas is coming down. Hate will flow. And if you're an OU fan, having been in Austin this past week, I think we can safely say that one Austin is the best city in in the Big Twelve. And when the Southeastern Conference comes, or when Texas and OU move to the Southeastern Conference, it'll be the best city in the in the SEC. Nothing against Baton Rouge, which is fabulous, and I've never been to Tuscaloosa, and I hear Athens is is phenomenal. And Nash, look, Nashville, I mean, let's not forget about Vandy and Nashville. Nashville's great, too. But Austin 6th Street, is it's made for college students. I mean, if you like bars, you like music, you like that total college, weird, hippie scene, Austin is your place. And... I think there would be something very cool about OU fans getting to experience that because right now, unless you're willing to trek down there for basketball or one of the non-revenue sports, you don't get that. You would actually get that if this became a home and home. And another reason I'm for this is there's going to come a time where the Cotton Bowl just is too dilapidated for this game to be held there. And that means the most logical place after that is that it would move to AT&T Stadium. Well, AT&T Stadium is great, and I've long been for moving it there just simply because, one, I think it's just a better stadium overall, um, better food at AT&T Stadium, which is always a big deal to me because I'm a fat guy. And you you can get in and out through security faster than you can at the Cotton Bowl. Traffic's not an issue because these people have it down to a science because of not only Cowboy games, but Ranger games as well. And just as an overall experience as a fan, it's, it's a lot less taxing. But everybody complains about that sterile environment in AT&T Stadium. It's just not the Cotton Bowl. That's what people like to hold on to. Well... You don't want that, then move it home and home. And from a revenue standpoint, yeah, it's a lot more revenue to be made for both OU and for Texas. And you know this has been talked about. And it was a big deal when I went to school back in the 90s at OU. Some dude named Easy Million, E period Z million, E period Z period million was the dude's name. There's no way that that could be real. Never bothered to look him up. But he talked about moving it and how much of a boon it would be for OU financially to do this. And while I'm not one to say, let's just kick tradition out the door because it's dying anyway. And because there will come a time when OU and Texas do not want to pay the city of Dallas what they're paying for this game. And they don't want to play the Cotton Bowl anymore. And let's face it, you really can't play OU Texas at night because Fair Park is not the best part of town in Dallas. You're going to have to do something. And as painful as it may sound, home and home is a much better way to go than to let Jerry Jones control this. Because here's the other thing with Jerry Jones. If you're Joe Castiglione, if you're Chris Del Conte, you're going to have to fight 
for those luxury boxes. And you should get them as part of the deal, but just in case you don't, Jerry can use the OU Texas game to up the price of the Cowboy luxury boxes or maybe even up the price of Cowboy season tickets so you don't control as much. Yeah, will this happen? I do think that at some point, probably in my lifetime, I'm I'm speculating, just throwing something against the wall here, 10 to 15 years, that, yeah, we do see this game go home to home. And if that happens, do it in November. Because if Texas fans are saying that the OU game is more important than the A&M game, then, yeah, do it that weekend of Thanksgiving. You do it that weekend of Thanksgiving, and you can have it the same time as the Iron Bowl. But it's got to be at night. You have to make sure that this game is played at night. Or, yeah, it will lose. It will lose that edge. And yeah, OU fans are are always going to be more on edge than Texas fans. But there's something about that that's kind of fun. You probably disagree with me on this. That's all right. That's cool with it. So think about sports. Um, Don't be mad at me because I ain't mad at you on this. But it's something. It's just more food for thought than anything. And you know what? If it never happens and it stays at the Cotton Bowl, man, that's just, that's not a hill I'm willing to die on anymore. There was a time where I was like, it's got to move to AT&T Stadium because I'm fat. I don't like long lines and I'm really just whining. And for this, I'm just kind of excited about the opportunity for 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 OU and Texas to go to each other's hometowns. And, and for people who've never experienced Norman, my hometown, get the opportunity to show off. And for those that have never experienced Austin, which is really um, just honestly one of America's coolest cities in the world. To experience that, look, I'm all for it. I, I could be I could be on the Chamber of Commerce for both cities. I could sell tourism to both cities if I needed to. Um, skipping ahead to Oklahoma State here. I got to say, man, Oklahoma State, after the news that came out today, you are on more solid ground than you ever could have expected with all this conference expansion. And that news, if you haven't heard, according to Dennis Dodd from CBS, is... The Big Ten is thinking about Stanford, Washington, Oregon, and Cal for expansion. So you go from 16 teams to 20 teams. And yes, at some point, we'll have to talk about the SEC responding. You know what? I can wrap that up real quick here. If the SEC responds, okay, and you're an Oklahoma State fan and you're thinking, well, maybe we get the opportunity to jump to the SEC, that's already been laid out. North Carolina, North uh, North Carolina, uh Virginia Tech, you know, Clemson, Miami, or actually I think it's it's Florida State, Miami, Clemson, North Carolina would be the four schools that would join the SEC. They're not going to look over this way. They're going to look a little bit more east. But for Oklahoma State, that's perfect because now you've got an opportunity. You're, you're in a much better situation now than you were last week or the week before to poach those four Pac-12 schools in Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, and Arizona and have them come to the Big 12. And I love this for Oklahoma State because even if you add those four, as long as Mike Gundy is in charge at Oklahoma State, as long as Chad Weiberg is the athletic director and Casey Shrum is the president, you're going to have the best program in the entire conference. Now, you may not win the conference championship every year, but you're going to be a major factor in it. And if you're a major factor in it, that definitely 
gives you an increased opportunity to make the playoffs every year, which is something you want more than anything else. I mean, that means more to you than beating OU every year. That means more to you than playing the Bedlam game every year. Having an opportunity to win the conference, having an opportunity to get into the playoffs, that's all you're really looking for. And I bet if you sit down and talk to Mike Gundy today, he'd tell you the exact same thing. Now, it does mean that OSU will lack a conference rival. And maybe that rival becomes Arizona State, or maybe that rival be, you know stays Texas Tech or Brigham Young or whatever. And we'll figure out how to do the scheduling a little bit later. But this is the best news that could happen to the Big 12 because I was on the side just a couple of weeks ago that the Pac-12 was probably a little bit more stable based on television markets. Well, when you take Seattle and you take San Francisco out and you might as well include Portland in that, the Pac-12 is done. And there's no reason to take every Pac-12 school. You don't need Oregon State. You don't need Washington State. You take the ones that you want and let them go fend for themselves. You know, let Oregon State figure it out. If they end up in the Mountain West Conference, so freaking be it. And so what? All you want is what is best for you, and this is definitely what's best for Oklahoma State. All right, coming up next here on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition, we're going to talk about what conference schedules or non-con schedules may look like in the future. Thank you for listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition um, I'm Eric G. Uh, wow, I was looking at uh, Barry Trammell today. By the way, Barry Trammell's done a fantastic job of keeping up with the Big 12. If you haven't been checking out the Oklahoman and you really want to know what life is like in Provo, Utah, and what it's like for BYU to come into this conference, get on that. Go check out everything that that Barry's been reading. Uh, but he was talking about the upcoming non-con schedules for, for OU and OSU this year. And he had OU ranked six in the Big 12, and he had Oklahoma State. Did he, have, did he have Oklahoma State ranked 10? Yeah. I think he had Oklahoma State ranked 10 and only gave them credit for scheduling Arizona State and only gave OU credit for scheduling Nebraska. Um, here's what I will tell Barry and I will tell anyone else. Non-con schedules are designed for one reason and one reason only, and that is for you to win as many football games as you can. And, okay, there's a second reason to that. The second reason for that is you want your team to be healthy when they go into conference. Um, the master of this was Bill Snyder. And I know a lot of people rip Bill Snyder for the way that he scheduled and K-State would schedule all these cupcakes. Well, guess what? K-State was usually one of the healthiest clubs in the Big 12 during that time. And that's one of the main reasons Bill Snyder always had a chance to win or K-State was always a factor inside the conference race. And I looked at OU's schedule for the next for the next few years, okay? And just in the next few seasons, um, you've got Georgia next year. The year after that, you go to Tennessee. And as long as OU was in the Big 12, you might as well play, you might as well play both of those games. LSU's on an upcoming schedule. Michigan is on the schedule in 2025. And then there are another couple of games with Nebraska. And I'm looking at that 2025 where you've got Michigan. Also, Temple's on there a, a few times. Illinois State. Now, the non-Power Fives, you don't really get into all that much. And for Oklahoma State, um, I, I didn't see anything past 2022 on their website. Sorry, I probably should have done more research. I did I did fail you in that sense. But 
looking specifically at Oklahoma's, 2025, depending on where you are at that time and just how close you are or you think you are to competing in the Southeastern Conference, Michigan might not want to be something you want to tie into. And maybe you're a little bit different, but I'm going to ask you, why would you have a problem if for the first few years that Oklahoma's in the Southeastern Conference, they didn't play an iconic school, and the schools they were playing from the Power Five were more along the lines of, say, Cincinnati, who who will be in the Big 12, or Houston, which actually I think we've learned could be a tough game, or Texas Tech. Would you have an issue if that was your Power Five school and the other two schools were an FCS school or a school from the group of five. And I'm just talking about the first few years in the Southeastern Conference because there will come a time when you are Oklahoma and you are expected to play an icon or an iconic school in the non-conference. And you're going to have to. You're not going to be able to back away from that even if Alabama, LSU, Florida are all on the schedule in the same year you may have to go out and play a USC during that time because that's what you're expected to do. But you're only expected to do that if you can win that ball game or have a reasonable chance of winning that game and be able to fight for your conference championship. However, the caveat to that is if you expand the playoffs to 16 teams, OU would be more likely to schedule those schools because even, let's say, even if you lost to somebody like Ohio State in the non-con, and then, I don't know, maybe you were able to beat LSU Florida, lose to Alabama, that's one hell of a, your strength of schedule might be the best in the country at that point, thus giving the selection committee reason not only to put you in the playoffs, provided your record warrants it, but also to give you a higher seating and give you a home game, which will become increasingly important as as we continue to figure out and develop what this college football playoff is going to look like. From an Oklahoma State standpoint, one, I always thought OSU should play Tulsa every single year, and that's not to knock Oklahoma State, and it's not to pump up Tulsa, um, whom, again, I've got a soft spot for all three of the Oklahoma schools, but it's somewhat of a rivalry in its traditional game, and it's been played quite often in years past. The other thing I would think you might want to do if you're Oklahoma State is schedule Arkansas on a regular basis. Play them every year if you can. If you can't play them every year, then figure out a way to do it often enough where it becomes a rivalry. And I've often said this, as long as things stay the way that they are from a recruiting basis, and you can't think that even with all this conference expansion, recruiting is going to change too dramatically for any of these schools. Oklahoma State's 85 will be a lot closer to Arkansas's 85 than they will to OU's. Um, And speaking of that recruiting, it'll be interesting to see just the approach OU takes to recruiting once they're in the Southeastern Conference from a geographical standpoint. As far as what they're going to do from a philosophical standpoint, as far as what they're looking for, is Brent Venables is doing something that really I think every college coach is doing. You're, you're, you're looking for kids that, that want to stay around for three or four years and you want to develop. 
And the NCAA right now is actually considering making the transfer portal or doing the transfer portal in a way where you can transfer as many times as you want with no penalty. Well, what that does and why it's such a bad thing for college football is you don't really get a chance to build a program. Okay, if a kid's not playing one year, if and, and it's most likely quarterbacks, but a kid's not playing, he just jets. And then you're stuck either playing somebody that doesn't have as much experience or you're stuck going into the transfer portal yourself, probably getting someone that isn't as good as the guy that just left. And it's something that the NCAA needs to take a hard look at. If not the NCAA, the new regime that runs college football needs to take a look at this. And don't be surprised in the near future, once college football breaks away from the NCAA, if there's a transfer portal rule for college football, and then a transfer portal rule for every other sport, where in every other sport you can transfer as many times as you want, but in college football you may sit out a year because it's two different governing bodies. And what's eventually going to happen, because you're just hearing so many coaches talk about it, so many athletic directors talk about it, is eventually all these rules, the NIL, the transfer portal, things that we have seen dramatically change the game over the last two years are all going to be walked back because coaches want it to be walked back. And for the betterment of the sport, somebody's going to step in and run this thing. Who's going to be that guru? Who's going to be that czar of college football? I nominate Joe Castiglione, but I'm not sure he wants the job, but he seems to be the best for it because he's probably one of the few guys that can walk into a room and everybody goes, hey, we're cool with that dude. That wraps up today's show. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Give us five stars if you think we're worth it. I would appreciate that. But subscribe, rate, and review. We want you to subscribe, rate, and review because, A, we need to know how to make this show better. Uh, B, we want you to get it on a weekly and eventually a daily basis. And um, more importantly, we thank you very much for your support. So we got all that in. I'm Eric G saying, may God bless you and your family. Uh, To quote the great Jackie Moon, everybody love everybody. And hey, don't forget what Diamond David Lee Roth always says. Stay frosty.